1: So Fox is getting ream right now. It continues for getting rid of Tucker Carlson. A big mistake. He had the best show. And Tucker Carlson, he's going to be just fine. He's actually bigger, better than ever before. But Fox News, this is a major hit. Look, I think they only have one decent show left. The rest of it is, quite frankly, terrible. The problems over at Fox, systemic and deep, and they've been around for a long time. Now, We have a zombie president and a wildly liberal socialist administration that's trying to cancel everything that makes America, America. So when you get the chance to interview the notorious liar, the press secretary, Jen Psaki, a while back, it's it's time to be fair, balanced and unafraid. Right. Not really. Watch.
0: Great to have you, and we have so much to cover with you. I want to start with the voting good morning, rules. Good
1: morning to you, Jen. By the way, it's hard to find two Bengal fans in the same room. <laughs> and That's we, right. And we've done it. Can
0: I join the big, party? Big game this weekend. Big game on Saturday. G- go Bengals. We'll, we'll be all fun. playing that. And hopefully there will be no breaking news that you have to deal with, Jen, during <laughs> the Bengals not. game. We will try to protect you from Thanks that. Thanks for being here. When the president said, looks at his watch and says, I guess I'll go another 24 minutes. I'm curious what your exact heart rate was at that time. <laughs> I'm a pretty chill person in general. I may not always seem that way in the briefing room and that's what he's used to. So yeah. Jen, I knew he was yeah. having a good time. Well, I was Let's, having a heart attack for you. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for being here today. Please come back. We'll do it more often.
0: Good, good luck to the Bengals, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jen.
1: A big wet kiss for the face of the most corrupt administration in American history. Wow, see how it's so clubby, how everybody likes each other. Everybody's facilitating, accommodating each other. This is their straight news program. Kind of feels like MSNBC. (laughs) Very pro-administration. Oh, and certainly over there, you got to be a big, big cheerleader for Ukraine and the war. Oh, yes, indeed. Now, let's take a look, all right? I want everybody to be honest, okay, with themselves. I'm going to be honest, too. Try to find Ukraine on that map, all right? Come on, how many of us would be able to find Ukraine without a problem? There it is, okay? Yes, I knew that. Sure I did. The country we have poured over $113 billion into with no end in sight. Now, Ukraine was invaded by Russia, and I wish that had not happened. I want Ukraine to win this thing. I also agree with most Americans that this would not be happening if President Trump were still in office. Putin seems to have been encouraged by our defeat in Afghanistan. And it would be one thing if we were paying for bullets and missiles. But what's up with this?
2: It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket.
1: Yeah, our money in their pocket. What was this about? Bullets, band-aids, spending cash? Our open-ended commitment is staggeringly expensive. This conflict rages on, no end in sight. And just to put it in a little bit of context, I'm sorry, but haven't big countries been invading neighboring little countries since the invention of countries? Given the situation in America, this might be something of a luxury we can't afford right now. Fair enough. Hey, just raising the question... And Ukraine has been one of the most corrupt countries in the world, historically. It's funny how opposition to the war in Ukraine or even slight skepticism that this may not be the greatest idea in the world, or maybe even talk of a peace settlement, that's enough to get you branded a Putin sympathizer. Yeah, you're with Putin if you want this war to end. It's kind of happened to Tucker Carlson. It's one of the, well, one of the complaints, one of the beefs that management might have had with him and the rest of the swamp.
0: Putin is banking on the fact that he's got Tucker Carlson cheering him on.
3: Kremlin TV, the official state TV in Russia, is now worried that Carlson's um, over, over Putin bias, his sort of, you know, you know, love for Putin has gone too far.
1: A vocal group of House Republicans follow the Tucker Carlson model, which is somehow that Vladimir Putin is a good guy here. Look, raising questions about the commitment, about our role there. It's, uh, no one's a friend of Putin, all right? We don't like the guy. We don't like war, all right? And Democrats and Republicans and corporate America all wrapping themselves in the flag of Ukraine? Anybody? Is this appropriate? Oh, by the way, in the House of Representatives? I don't think so. But the message is get on board with Ukraine or else. Now, my knowledge of Ukraine is limited. I know it primarily as the home of an oil company, that for some reason hired Hunter Biden at $100,000 a month for a no-show job. And raising questions about that actually got Donald Trump impeached. Raising questions about that arrangement with the head of the country got Donald Trump in trouble. The swamp, the media, they shamelessly played defense for all of this.
3: Do you have a crime that you think Hunter Biden committed? Because I've yet to see anybody... Explain, it is not a crime to make money off your last name. So, Chuck, you ought to read the Marco Polo report,
2: uh, where they detail all kinds of potential crimes. You know, Senator Grassley oh, well, uncovered just stop you there. The, potential. Uh, about, this about, is about about
0: about well, about, Senator, about, about about,
2: potential. See
1: 30- so, yeah, how they go to work defending defending Hunter, and it just might be a crime: influence peddling. It can be a crime in certain contexts. And by the way, just because it's not criminal doesn't mean it's not super, super sleazy. OK, and can I ask this about the Ukraine situation? Where were the peace protests. Hmm? Wasn't that a thing in America for a while, you know, coming out and protesting war? Um, I know someone who believes in peace, who's actually been talking about peace. You know what he's been doing? He's been leading
4: shortly after i win the presidency i will have the disastrous war between russia and ukraine settled it'll take 24 hours
1: you know sometimes it does take a total outsider to come in i don't think he's exaggerating he commands respect on the world stage unlike the catastrophically flawed failing biden administration now the deep state they don't really want a 24-hour solution They seem to like war, good for business, good for increasing, growing, and maintaining power. President Eisenhower, he was so right. He warned us. In the councils of
4: government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes.
1: That was just three days before he left the presidency. He was about 70 years old, and he went off to a farm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania to paint and to write his memoir. He died in 1969. I wonder what he would have made of, of Joe Biden, hmm? Now, there's no evidence of anything improper about Hunter's Ukraine arrangement, right? Not at all suspicious that Joe Biden, with just days left in office as vice president, about four, oh, by the way, went all the way to Europe to say hi to the president of one of the most corrupt countries in the world, Ukraine.
2: Mr. President, I may have to call you once every couple weeks just to hear your voice. Uh, It's been going on a long time.
1: Why? All the countries in the world, Ukraine, he's got three days left as vice president. Hmm? Now, here's something, and I believe it's evidence of something very, very improper. And I'm not a lawyer, but it just might be outright criminal. The phone call with Poroshenko where he asked for the removal of the prosecutor who's looking into Hunter Biden's boss, the head of Burisma.
2: Yesterday I met with the General Prosecutor Yes. Yeah. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, so, he doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, I especially asked him to resign. Great. And this is my second step for keeping
1: my promises. I agree. Hear the relief in Joe Biden's voice as Poroshenko has agreed to fire this prosecutor who Poroshenko just said did nothing wrong. Poroshenko, the head of Ukraine, and he recorded the conversation. You can tell it's in his office. You can hear the echo. I wonder why he did that. Hmm? The prosecutor looking into Hunter boss Hunter Biden's boss fired for no reason. Joe is relieved. Now, you want to hear Joe talk about what happened, his version of this uh, conversation? It's, it's not what happened.
2: I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> you got fired.
1: That's a very strange boast, isn't it? And that doesn't sound right. If I'm running America, I want to know what that was all about. Donald Trump sees this on TV and doesn't like it and mentions it to the president of Ukraine. What's going on with that? What's going on over there with your country? Is this true? That's legitimate. And they impeached. It's crazy. Donald Trump gets in trouble for this. Joe Biden gets to be president, goes from vice president to president. Look, I believe his family's business entanglements have clouded the already extremely weak brain of Joe Biden. And it's not just Ukraine, not by a long shot. China, our top adversary enemy, even Joe paid them a social call just a week before leaving uh, the office of vice president. Just like he did with Ukraine, he made arrangements to meet the, the head of China presidency speech was followed by several meetings with world leaders at Davos. Speaking with U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, he called for closer cooperation between the two global heavyweights in pursuit of a long-term and stable relationship that benefits both sides. Both sides indeed, huh? That's two days, two days before Joe Biden ended the vice presidency, January 18, 2021. A few weeks after that, million transferred to Hunter's business associate and Joe Biden's family received a million dollars of that. And that is totally proven. In fact, Hunter's lawyers confirm it. At first, they denied. They denied. No, Hunter Biden, a private citizen with every right to pursue his own business endeavors, joined several business partners in seeking a joint venture with a privately owned legitimate energy company in China. Hmm. As part of that joint venture, Hunter received his portion of Good Faith Seed Funds, which he shared with his uncle, James Biden, Haley Biden, with whom he was involved at the time in sharing expenses. Okay, split the money up with his uncle and his girlfriend, the wife of his dead brother. This is uh, this is very bad. And this just came to light recently. All right. And it's confirmed. First, they said Hunter never did business in China. Then they said he did. He made no money. And now they're saying he made a million dollars. What else are we going to find out? This thing is just starting. Hi, Haley. Um, oh, and remember the denial? This man, he's so dishonest. I just think it's seeped in. He doesn't know when he's lying. He's just out of control. Again, he made a million dollars in China, at least. OK, we know that his family did. Listen to what he said during the 2020 debate.
2: My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are he talking about China. I have not had a, the only guy made money from China is this guy He's the only one nobody else has made money from China.
1: You know what contempt he has for us actually now he knows what he's doing. You lie to people you don't respect. He really is high on his own supply, they say. Weird things happen, by the way, with a guy like this in charge and with a deep state that seems totally fine with endless wars. The deep state and the media are protecting Joe and they protect, well, they protect those they like, George W. Bush. Remember the war in Iraq? The whole point was to get weapons of mass destruction. And there were no weapons of mass destruction. Bush somehow thought he could charm his way out of it. When it became evident a couple of years later, they were not gonna find any WMD program, he made jokes. Those weapons of mass destruction gotta be somewhere.
2: (laughs) Nope, no weapons over there. Maybe
1: under here. (laughs) Thousands of American dead, hundreds of thousands of dead Iraqis, people maimed, disfigured forever, post traumatic stress, and he's laughing about a war that never should have been fought. That's disgusting. And no one in public life called out the atrocity of Iraq until you know who came along. Obviously, the war in Iraq
4: was a big fat mistake, all right? Now, you can take it any way you want, and it took, Je- it took Jeb Bush, if you remember at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced the president, took him five days, he went back. It was a mistake, it wasn't a mistake. It took him five days before his people told him what to say, and he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives, we don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So... George Bush made a mistake. We can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized the Middle East.
1: I love that guy. An amazing moment. All of us who bought the lies of WMD in Iraq. Nobody said it quite like this. Ukraine. Back to Ukraine. I want Ukraine to win. Also, this war cannot be endless. It is time for peace and enough with your silly flag pins in Congress, all right? You work for one country, not two. I'll be right back.
0: Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back
1: Who's running the country right now? It doesn't seem to be Joe Biden. Susan Rice, I hear, just left. But, you know, there are other people. Who do you, who do you think is running the I country? I think it's a
4: little group, a small group of people that are very smart, very radical left, probably Marxists. And they're running our country into the ground.
1: You know, so much news was made in this interview from his comments about Mike Pence to uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, the campaign, DeSantis. But this was barely noticed nobody really seems to doubt that the president is right. He agrees with me. Joe Biden is not running the country. He agreed with me, and everybody kind of understands that, right? He's not running the country. Now, who is? Well, it's widely accepted that Barack Obama and Susan Rice are ultimately in charge. The day-to-day affairs they've assigned to uh, this fellow, who's nobody ever heard of, nobody ever has heard of, Jeff Zients, Zients. He's a half-billionaire, not a doctor, but he made his money in something called medical consulting, all right? Um, Now, I understand that Joe Biden can't do anything. He needs these kinds of people around, although we don't know who they are, and they have too much power. Now, Joe can't handle a college football team dropping by uh, to pick up a trophy. That's too much for him. Did you see this? Totally lost in space. Did not know what to do. These poor uh, champion football players. Everybody's awkward. Everybody's embarrassed. What about that situation with the six-year-old kids? That was, he was overwhelmed with the questions. Couldn't figure it out. I mean, the kids felt sorry for him. Six-year-old kids. Um, Now, this didn't all just happen last week, all right? It's been like this all along. Joe has not been in charge since day one, that was the plan.
3: If I could make an arrangement where um, I had a stand-in, a a front man or front woman and and they had an earpiece in and I was just in my basement in my sweats Mm -hmm. looking through the stuff and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, I'd be fine with that. (laughs) Look
1: at that look. He's proud. He's boasting. He's bragging because it's true. All right. He is conceited. He loves it. He's the president of the United States with no accountability. I do believe that this is the arrangement. And the swamp loves this man. Oh, boy. They will do anything for him. And they despise Trump. And this. Oh, by the way, you got to remember this classified document stunt, the so-called mishandling of it and the fake outrage all over the place. I worked, in a way, in the federal government, in the military. Everything is classified. This is a trick, a trap, and a fake one. They're getting caught in their own trap. Take a look.
2: When you saw the photograph of the top-secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself, looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible? I've not hesitated to criticize the president when I think he was wrong. And, uh, and clearly possessing classified documents in an unprotected area is not proper.
1: Not proper. Uh, Republicans and Democrats unite, unite to play this game with the classified documents. Um, by the way, we do know that both of these men later, right, got nailed with classified documents that they had no authority to have. They don't have declassification authority. Uh, the, when Biden wasn't president, when he brought that stuff home, and Pence has never been president. By the way, Pence and the the holy roller routine is a bit of an act. I'm sorry. Here he goes again, and I think he's being a little bit deceptive. I'll tell you why on the other side.
4: Did you take any classified documents with you from the White House?
1: Uh, I I did not. Oh, boy. Number one, that's a tell. He's saying no, but he's nodding his head yes, right? Uh, What else happens in this little uh, session? Do you see any reason for anyone to take classified documents with them leaving the White House? Well, there'd be no reason to have
2: classified documents, particularly if they were in an unprotected area.
1: All right. He's nervous because he knows he's got them at home. Everybody does. Uh, It happens a lot. But fortunately for President Trump, he's the only one who actually had authority and (laughs) he was okay to have it. So he left the presidency on January 20th of 2021. Right. This is that morning. These are the boxes being delivered uh, to the helicopter that's going to fly Donald Trump uh, to Andrews Air Force Base. All right. Watch this next, please. Uh, here he is getting off Air Force One in Palm Beach with an hour to go as President of the United States. Here he is now arriving at Mar-a-Lago at 11.32 in the morning, January 20th of 2021. He is still the President of the United States. All those boxes, he has access to every single one of them, anything in the federal government, right up until the last second he's President. Now, some busybody swamp creature watches this on television, the first uh, sequence at the White House, sees those boxes, and guess what he says to himself? I can remember watching the Trumps leaving the White House and saying to myself, what the hell's in that box? Well, what the hell business is it of yours? You're not the president. That became, began a whole process of trying to determine whether any records had not been turned over to the archives. Wow, huh? The swamp, the swamp, their little, little rules trying to get Somebody they don't like in trouble. Happens in the private sector as well. All right. uh, Back to my interview with the president. I got to tell you, it was a big thrill to be there. And it hit me when I first arrived at Mar-a-Lago. I actually had never been there. Uh, This was my reaction. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Not the most sophisticated reaction, but that's how I felt. And then it hit me, August 8th, 2022, what the FBI did, raiding the home of a former president of the United States, Uh, a total scam, and quite frankly, I think a crime in and of itself, that raid. The FBI, they desperately need reform. Remember when they used to be good? Actually, I don't know when that was because they've screwed up a lot throughout history, right? Uh, They never got Lee Harvey Oswald, even though they were supposed to have an appointment with him before Kennedy arrived in Dallas. Waco, 9-11, Whitey Bulger eluding them for uh, 15 years. And possibly, uh, most infuriatingly, these two grifters plotting and scheming to throw the election? How could those two bureaucrats have that kind of power? But they just may have. President Trump is right.
4: They're using uh, law enforcement and they're using uh, the DOJ and the FBI as retribution, something that has never happened anywhere near what's going on right now. What they're doing in terms of DOJ, FBI, law enforcement, uh, to... Politics is nobody's ever seen anything like it.
1: It all has to be revamped, reformed and, yeah, rebranded. The FBI, after what they did, uh, FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, I don't think so. What are we going to call the FBI these days, huh? Let's try mm, Friends of Biden Incorporated. That definitely works. What else do we have? FBI could stand for uh, forever blowing it. Ooh, Uh, Give me a couple more. FBI. Hmm. Could stand. uh, Let's see. Forgetting basic instructions. Yeah. Like the law, like the Constitution. FBI also uh, fanatically bothering the innocent. Yeah. January 6th. Anybody. All right. The deep state. They are opposed to Trump and they are doing everything they can to protect Biden. But you know what? Biden is so inept that he may run afoul of the deep state pretty soon. He can't even do the easy part, the stuff he was supposed to be good at. He can't get right.
4: President Biden taking on the role as consoler in chief tonight.
3: President Joe Biden consoled the nation. We're so grateful that President Biden came down to uh, act in his role as consoler in chief.
0: President Biden last night was being an empathizer in chief. A CONSOLER-IN-CHIEF AND A COMMANDER-IN-CHIEF. It's striking how many moments already in his presidency um, President Biden has had to be the Mm -hmm. CONSOLER-IN-CHIEF.
1: Oh, brother, it's... uh, And he's not. He's not. Remember when he went to the dignified transfer, those coffins coming off the plane, and he looked at his watch. The one thing Biden was supposed to be good at, and he's not. So... He's running. uh, They only have so much patience down there. He's becoming a major liability. Who could be thinking about running for president? You know there are ambitious Democrats out there, and this charade with Joe may not last forever. So let's go through the likely contenders very briefly. All right, we have on our list Pete Buttigieg. Let's go through the pros and cons. Pros: Gay. That's definitely a good thing these days, and he's good at books. Uh, Cons: Incompetent and lazy. Yeah, this is a. This is very reductive, but it's all true. Let's see. Next on the list, who else? Oh, this is Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, somewhat smart woman. That's big. Very nasty. And, no kidding, lives in Chuck Todd's house. Chuck Todd is the landlord for a United States senator. Uh, Got a couple. Stacey Abrams, black woman. That's very good. Fancy schools. I think she went to Yale. But she has now lost twice for governor and is known to hate Georgia. All right, we got two more likely uh, contenders here. Liz Cheney, people know who she is. That's it. Khan, yeah, people know who she is. That's a negative. Grew up in the swamp, and she's totally annoying. Um, all right, Kamala Harris, we got to tackle this one. Pros, he'll get back to you on that. Woman of color, and then <laughs> the list goes on and on about uh, her negatives. Uh, you just can't see it. You just can't see it, but it could happen. Is it possible? It's not possible. I'll be right back. Remember this? The shooting at that Covenant School in Tennessee, Nashville? The individual, Audrey Hale, uh, transgender. And uh, look at the transformation from this, to this, to this. Now police did point out in the very early stages that her transgender status may have played a role in all of this. Listen. Did she identify as
0: transgender?
5: She does. identify as transgender.
2: Yes. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is, has any motive for targeting the school?
5: Uh, We can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads. And once we know exactly, we'll let you know.
1: There is some theory to that. Now it's about a month ago. Uh, We all know And law enforcement has confirmed that the shooter left behind a massive manifesto detailing her thoughts, plans, hang-ups, issues, and a lot of it Apparently had to do with her being transgender. It has not been released yet. There is some indication that it may be released soon, but we're not sure. I'd like to bring in former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick Welcome, sir. And Jamie Mitchell. Thank She's you. the founder of Gays Against Groomers. Uh, welcome back, both of you. Uh, Commissioner, first, is there any law enforcement reason uh, to withhold this manifesto, to not release it to the public?
5: Uh, There's only one condition in which they would normally do that, uh, Greg, and that is there was an imminent threat um, that they found within those, uh, you know, there were notebooks, there were computers, there were other electronic devices uh, that they came upon. If there was an imminent threat um, that they found within the manifesto to a person, a place or, or something else, then I could see them holding it. But if that's not the case, I don't know what the holdup is.
1: Jamie, uh, there seems to be widespread consternation and panic. And certainly in the initial stages, when the trans community, if we can call it that, found out that the shooter was trans herself. Uh, There was panic. Oh, my God, what are we going to do about this? Do you feel like the handling of this case has been impacted by the status of the shooter as a transgender? I mean, the left, they don't want to hear from that.
0: Oh, 100%. You know, when a shooting is committed by, you know, a white conservative, a white guy, period. You know, um, there's a different standard for releasing information about shooters, depending on kind of like your woke status in society. And right now, you know, the trans, the trans community and trans people are kind of at the very top. So they are treated with special privileges. Uh, And I think that it it says a lot that uh, the police have held on to this manifesto for so long. Our organization were among the first to demand to the authorities um, that it be released. Uh, I think it just goes to show and, and proves that this is probably very damning, has a lot of rhetoric in it that will um, fan the flames of this uh, trans terrorism that's that's spreading. These people are being radicalized, uh, thinking there is some kind of genocide against them when the truth is people are just wanting to protect their children. Uh, it's not anti-trans, but they they believe that it is. Uh,
1: the chief talked about the manifesto in detail. Let's go ahead with D08, please.
5: In the manifesto, there's several different writings about other locations. Uh, there were locations, of, uh, there was uh, talks about um, the school. There was a map of the school, a drawing of how uh, potentially she would enter and the assaults that would take place. Uh, there's it's quite a bit of uh, writing to it. I have not read the whole the entire manifesto. Our team and the FBI has been working uh on this.
1: Yeah, some people were joking uh joking and uh that the FBI was writing the manifesto. Uh, should we have any concerns? The thing's going to be redacted, obviously. Um, how political are police departments becoming, uh, Commissioner? I don't accuse that individual of being uh, political at all. In fact, he was kind of a straight shooter, very much so. But, you know, once the cameras go away, he's an employee like, uh, well, like other officers.
5: Well, he's an employee of a a pretty left-wing mayor. And, And the mayor is ultimately the boss, as you know. Um, you know, it's something Jamie said that I think is important. Um, you know, the the entire this woke community thing, where people are treated differently. This I don't I don't care if this person was a member of the Weather Underground, the Black Liberation Army, the Black Panther Party, BLM. It, it shouldn't make any difference yeah. if there's an imminent threat in the manifesto. Um, then that has to be addressed and they can't release it until that is addressed. Right. Uh, however, based on what the chief is saying, it um, didn't appear to be other accomplices and the writings were specific to the target and possibly other targets by that individual. That being said, he's she's
1: dead. I understand. She's, dead.
5: she's not going to hurt
1: anybody. We'll know more soon. I only have a couple of seconds left, and I do want your take on this, Jamie Mitchell, if you don't mind. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, always says she's gay, she's gay, she's gay. Talks about it way too much, oh, by the way. Yesterday, she said something slightly different. D41, please.
0: So this week is Lesbian Visibility Week, and as the first openly queer person to hold the position of press secretary... That's
1: it right the there. She the said States. she's queer. LGBTQ. And I don't know what that means. It used to be a... <laughs> I mean, it used to be a... I, I, as, as we all know, you're from the LGBTQ community, if there is a community. What does it mean, Jamie?
0: Uh, I think it means queer these days, which was always a slur, at least when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, but I th- Sad. You know, she's identifying as queer now. It's not enough to just be a plain old lesbian. I'm, I love being a lesbian. You know, I, I'm very happy to be a lesbian. Um, I don't flaunt it. You know, I, I don't parade around about with it. But um, I think that's sad. You know, women and lesbians are being erased by this trans ideology and the queer. This whole TQ plus uh, sect of the community is, yeah. is you know, they they are at the top. And um even, even she is having to bow down to it. Uh, it's sad. As a lesbian herself, I, I wish she would yep. embrace her lesbianism instead of uh, going the route of the queue.
1: Well, if she thought less about her gender status, she might be better at her job. Think more about messaging and uh, eloquence <laughs> at the podium. That might help. Jamie Mitchell, thank you. Commissioner Carrick, thank you. We'll be right back. Thank you. the deep state. It is real. It is big. It is powerful. It is often anonymous. And they've been known to take out presidents. They try in big time that they try to take out Trump. They're trying again to take him out. And actually, they may have taken out Richard Nixon, President Nixon, our 37th president of the United States. And one of my favorites, by the way, our next guest worked in the Nixon White House. His name is Jeff Shepard. He's the author of The Nixon Conspiracy, Watergate, and the Plot to Remove the President. Uh, fascinatingly, Jeff Shepard went to the same undergrad college as President Nixon and then on to Harvard Law School. Uh, Mr. Shepard, welcome. Uh, nice to see you. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me on your show.
1: You bet. So look, the deep state, can you first describe to everybody, because oh, it doesn't really exist, it is a real thing. And it came about, and you actually can document how it came about, when it came about.
3: Oh, there's no question. We didn't use the term, Greg. We talked about the federal bureaucracy. But you have to remember that in 1932, Franklin Roosevelt just wiped out the Republicans. And for the next 40 years, they controlled everything in the nation's capital. And the only thing that disrupted that was this guy, Dick Nixon. And Dick didn't fit in. And ultimately, they got him. Now, how did they get him? How did they actually? Because a lot of people
1: think that Dick Nixon, you know, was the ultimate government figure and therefore the government worked for him. That's not how it works.
3: Well, uh, uh, it, it was a close election in 1968. He ran on two themes, end the war and restore law and order. And he accomplished both. He had great foreign affairs successes and domestic successes. So he won re-election in one of the greatest landslides in American history. But they just—the other side couldn't stand it. And what they did, because of Watergate, and there really was a break-in, there really was a cover-up, but they exploited it very, very skillfully, and they, they worked in secret meetings and secret memos and secret coordination to void a presidential election. And what, what's happened, you're right, I was there. I was there for all, all years of the Nixon administration, uh, uh, and, and, and I was deputy counsel during Watergate. So uh, it, it was a wipeout, and, and, and we, were, we were really removed. But starting about 10 years ago, this is—I mean, we're in the 50th anniversary of Watergate right now. But 10 years ago, documents started to surface— that showed what had really been going on behind the scenes by the deep state. There were secret meetings between the judges and the prosecutors. There were secret meetings between the legislatures and the prosecutors. It was was an incredible uh, uh, grab of power, and they left a paper trail. That's what my books are about. My books show how they they were conspiring. The uh, uh, the untruths they were telling about the president. And of course, we had a monolithic press. Right. We couldn't get our side out. There was no Newsmax. There was no talk radio. So the public got one point of view.
1: And we only have a few seconds left. And you're an expert on that era, not the current Trump presidency. But you see parallels between the treatment, the deep state applied to Nixon and to what Donald oh, Trump. Without went question.
3: Without question. The the Trump and Nixon are different people, but the, the atmosphere is very much the same. You you just can't trust what you're being told. You don't believe what's happening. And and from my perspective, I wonder what's going to come out over the next fifty years about the stuff that's going on today.
1: It's so anti democratic, really, this deep state stuff. They're and, and they're not findable in the Constitution. Listen, to be continued, your book is a gem, and uh, I'm about 80 pages in so far. The Nixon Conspiracy, Watergate, and the Plot to Remove the President. Jeff Shepard, a veteran of the Nixon White House, worked in the White House Counsel's Office, Deputy Counsel. We appreciate it so much, sir. To be continued.
3: Thank you, Greg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back.
1: So, uh, people are fed up with Fox News. Tucker Carlson is not there anymore, and there's not much reason to watch anymore over there at Fox, and they're coming to Newsmax in a dramatic way. Look at this, 8 o'clock. Uh, that's Tucker's hour, right? Well, it's Newsmax's hour now, 261% increase during the day, 113% increase, prime time overall, 220% up. Now, let's look at what's happening back at FNC. Ooh down 41 percent total day 12 percent prime time 25 percent somebody's in trouble uh, and Tucker Carlson his popularity take a look at this all right look at the green numbers first 59 percent find him to be a great guy 34 percent don't like him now look at the top green number next to the one uh under Fox News 52 percent Tucker is more popular than Fox News huh good for him Uh, Now, Megyn Kelly used to work at Fox News and knows Tucker pretty well, I think. Anyway, she had this assessment of the situation.
0: Just this past week, during the 8 p.m. hour, Eric Bowling averaged 562,000 viewers. Last Tuesday, he averaged 122,000. So the the Fox News audience is going click and moving over to Newsmax right now. Imagine if it were Tucker in that spot.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, we're doing pretty well at 10 o'clock, too. All right. The numbers looking very, very favorable, although they always have been, actually. All right. Megan, thank you. And thank you. We'll be right back. Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, by me, Greg Kelly. My book, available wherever books are sold. I'm especially proud of the chapter on January 6th. I think you'll like it very much. And thank you for joining us. Welcome to Newsmax, and I'll see you next week.